Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 50. Woo! Woo! Our, Woo! Like, to 50. What do you call yeah. this? Our semi-centennial? Is that what it is? Or is it just 50th? Or I don't know. That's a good question. And it's also, is it even really the 50th since we have like probably a dozen of the Night Vale recap episodes that came before we even started counting with BSP number one? I so, don't know. We'll I just know. we'll just count with this as the 50th of the BSP ones when we started yes. that, if that's not vague enough for everybody. Sure, totally vague, which is also appropriate, especially for the fact that what are we going to do for the 50th episode? We have no idea. No plan. <laughs> we have no plan. We at first were just like, oh, maybe we should wait until we... No, the idea that we would go into like a milestone podcast with absolutely no plan is so appropriate we have to just do it it really is yeah so so what did you want to talk about today um gosh we're like three episodes into the second season of penny dreadful and yeah. uh, enjoying it a lot and this is something that our friend courtney had mentioned that she was shocked you and i weren't already watching no you're absolutely right she heard that and she said it's exactly the type of thing that you guys would like and she's right yeah, it you is know? because it's it's, like, it's spooky it's victorian it's pretty yeah it's it's very sexy in places. It's also weird sexy in places, too. <laughs> like, some of the sex scenes, I'm like, right, I'm a little disturbed. Yeah, that whole scene with Dorian Gray and Ethan Chandler, I wasn't expecting that sex scene at all. I, w- I certainly no. wasn't expecting Chandler to be the one to instigate it, either. No, me neither. But, boy, it was actually, like, slash fic doesn't usually do very much for me. I mean, power to the people that it does. But I saw that, and I'm like, those are two very pretty guys, and they're having all the fun. It's and something, just, I, I mean, even though I haven't ever been into slash fic you know i can understand it because what's better than one hot male celebrity but two hot male celebrities exactly no kiss so <laughs> it was just very perfect and i like that actor uh what's his name who plays chandler uh josh hartnett yeah i remember him from what was the the pearl harbor movie and everything which i've like, never seen it's fine it's it's kind of forgettable but it's not bad it was definitely a spectacular but i remember seeing him and being like well, he's pretty and then i I really didn't see him in much anything else. And then all of a sudden he cuts into this show and I'm like, he's not just pretty. He's a really good actor. Yep. He's very, very, he is, very good. And him with the um, very fabulous guy from the museum, the translator. Oh, uh, Their my, scenes yes. together are very fun. Oh, because he's hitting, I mean, hitting on uh, uh, Ethan Chandler, you know, all the time. And Chandler is not being disgusted by it. So that is no, fun no. to watch. But it I'll tell is. you, one thing that disappointed me about the second season, Billy Piper's character dies and then comes back to life as a character yeah. named Lily. And she doesn't have that sexy uh, uh, Irish accent anymore. And I'm just like, I liked that accent so much. I thought Billy Piper was just, you know, just so endearing when she talked like that. But, you know, still, she's still endearing as Lily. But oh, but I forget who I was talking to, who they didn't feel it had been a very good Irish accent. That just goes to show I don't really necessarily have an ear for them because I thought it sounded very nice. I think it was possibly because it was just that obvious. I mean, that was an Irish. Irish accent that was hit you yep. in the face Irish which is fine for me but possibly not for other people who like things like you know subtlety yeah I guess that's fine but yeah I just started watching Stranger Things Ooh, finally ah yeah. what do you think yeah really nice and man I had to text you the very first episode I watched because one you had asked me at one point you're like oh have you heard the intro music I'm like no and then I did hear it I'm like my god it's like it's like 80s if 80s synth 
pop music was like really cool and disturbing and fun and weird and beautiful. And then the title credits come up for that episode. And I'm like, it's right out of a Dean Arcoon's novel. I mean, just right off the cover. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, it is so 80s, but it's like 80s distilled. So it's not everybody doing a nod, nod, wink, wink. Look how 80s this is. It's just the best of 80s sort of, you know, rendered down into its essence. And then you get to see all these little hints of 80s. 80s pop culture all over the place. Like, I'm relatively certain in the very first episode when the dad is messing with the antenna on the TV, I kind of think that was an episode of Knight Rider that was going on. Oh, but probably. I, wasn't sure. <laughs> I was sure I saw Hasselhoff, but, you know, it was just very brief. But uh, it's I'm only a couple episodes in, but I'm really enjoying it and so it's, far. It's so odd with the kids playing Dungeons and Dragons, because you and I yeah. play Dungeons and Dragons in college, which was the 90s. But, yeah, you know, I yeah. guess it's one of those things since Dungeons and Dragons is still going on now. I haven't played it for years because I am several uh, installments behind on all the rules. But Oh, yeah. I hear that they simplified the rules a lot. Like, we were playing D&D 2nd Edition, if that gives you any idea. And um, I understand that by the time they hit 5th Edition, I think, like, so much of the dice rolling and the rules and the very complicated math that you had to do, they've taken that way down, which... I don't know, makes me a little sad on a nerd level. I mean, I liked drilling down to all those specifics and, you know, and and thackos and hit dice and all, which I'm sure they have it, but apparently it's just a lot easier now. And I'm like, back in my day, we had to work to fight our monsters. We did, damn it. (laughs) We had the DM (laughs) grabbing D4s like mad to roll for damage. Yeah, and the DM always getting mad at us for drawing pictures of our characters when we were supposed to be paying attention. I was paying attention. I was just drawing the characters, I could do two things at once. Yeah, Yeah, and I do remember taking a look at a Dungeons & Dragons DM manual, and I can't even remember which one it was, but there were random times when it would say, grab a bunch of dice and start rolling them just to make everybody nervous. Yeah, and it worked, too. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. But speaking of the kids they are they're partly just really good actors like for the age that they are which is incredibly young they're very good actors but i think the director just really knows how to film them in a way that brings out whatever talent they happen to have i mean it's just it's fun to watch them they're really good and i was wondering something like with the main character and then his friend who has the missing teeth and Uh everything do you ever feel like some people's faces belong in certain decades? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You yeah. can take a look at uh, 1940s faces, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, the, the flapper area from the 1920s. And it's not yeah. just the makeup and the hair. There are certain elements of people's faces that fit that decade. And that's what, to me, these kids... Oh, oh. drink. <laughs> Everybody drink. <laughs> that's, to me, that's what it felt like with seeing these kids that I felt like... I went to school with a bunch of these kids. All oh, right, yeah, come on. Drink some more. <laughs> but yeah, I felt like I've gone to school with a couple of these kids in elementary school. Like their their faces just sort of brought back something for me and the way they talk and the way they act around each other and seeing them on their bikes and the, the decorations and the um, people's houses and the furniture and the stupid cord phones that had the little tangle in it. Like for some reason that really impressed me that they're talking on the phone and the cord has that little snarl in there that you never 
never managed to get out of it. It's just like a lot of subtle bits in there. Yes. And wow, what about Winona Ryder? Really good. Like she plays crazy worried mom smoking her cigarette very, very well. And it surprised me because I saw her name in the credits and that was the first time they had heard that she was in it because I, you know, had absolutely no hype before Nathan decided he wanted to see this. And she comes on and it takes a little while into the scene before I suddenly realized that's Winona Ryder. I mean, I know. I'm remembering her from when I first saw her in the Beetlejuice movie. So I'm sitting yeah, here yeah. thinking, when did she get old enough to play the mom character? But she still looks good. She I does. Mean, you take away a lot of the crazy. She still looks very nice. She does. So She's one cool. of those people yeah. that manages to age very well. I'm extremely envious. Yeah. And also, I know she had some flack a while ago about some shoplifting, I believe. I can't I, remember. Just yeah. some last hurrah of her 20s, I think, something like that. As soon as yeah. she appeared as Spock's mom in the first of the reboot oh, yeah. uh, Star Trek movies, that was when I knew she's an adult now. She can play yeah. the adult, you know, like nobody's business. So, yeah, we can let all that go because, you know, That's everybody's good. allowed to be crazy, except you and me. We were never crazy. No. Well, not so <laughs> not terribly, terribly crazy. No, I mean, I, but, okay, I guess I should say we were not as advanced adventurously crazy right exactly well prom night we did stay out until after midnight we did darn it. we yeah. were all watching movies but we still it, you know, it really does count yeah we everybody asked well what was our curfew on prom night we didn't have a curfew on prom night because mom and dad knew we weren't going to stay out that late anyway anyway that's right fine. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i like to talk about the fact that uh what was i in college i was an art major did i do any recreational drugs no <laughs> okay. I was rebelling against the stereotype. There you go. Exactly. You were being a rebel by not being a rebel because that's what they expect of the conforming nonconformists, as you call all the art students who went all goth and everything and fighting against conformity by all looking exactly the same. Right. Which, surprisingly enough, I don't really know that there was that much of that in the uh, people that I went to uh, art classes with. No, probably because they were all real artists. Yeah, you know? they were, not, actually. They were a little bit trying more focused. They were a little, little more focused on uh, trying to get the art done rather than trying to look the part, I think. You guys had a lot of projects that you had to do, so it's not a lot of time for screwing around. No, no, not at all. But speaking of TV that we're watching and should be watching, how much of Mr. Robot have you managed to catch up on? First season. And I don't think the second season's been added to Prime yet. Okay. I haven't watched any of it yet, but it is actually... Like, it's hit the point where people at work are talking about it and going, have you started watching it yet? You really need to start watching it. So there's another one added to my list. It's the in the second to last episode of the first season that you will realize why everyone's telling you to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I Everybody is all like, every time they talk about it, they get this kind of like shocked look on their face. They're like, oh, I can't tell you. I'm like, all right, all right. I'll, I'll have to watch it before somebody spoils it. There are some parts that are relentlessly dark, but it is still really interesting and um Remy 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 Malik I think is the main actor's name uh okay. he needs all the awards I think nice. just let's go Very ahead nice. and give all of them to him because he is Excellent. doing an amazing job Christian Slater is a hell of a lot of fun to watch so and just everybody and just the tone and the music and the writing and it's just really really good so yeah nice. I think you'll enjoy it Very nice yeah I've actually been Spending my time trying to get caught up in some of the books, I found out that C.J. Cherry, who writes the Foreigner sequence, she had a book come out like four months ago in the Foreigner sequence, and I need to read it, but I've been reading the reviews, and oh, apparently it's three-quarters exposition again. (sighs) 
she is going to at some point i think she's going to need to cut the series loose because i think so if you have built the series up to the point where you have to spend that much time doing exposition it's probably time to move on to something else because it's all going to be about everything that's come before and I, I don't know about other long-running series. Honestly, I'm trying to think of other series that have gone. I believe this is the 17th book in the series. Wow. I think it's starting to fall under its own weight, which is a shame because I love the characters. But, you know, Bren Cameron, the main character, he sits down to have a cup of tea and think about things. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to literally go on for 20 pages of him thinking about the political situation i'm like i don't what's what's the crown prince doing i'm gonna go he's probably getting in trouble with his friends i'm gonna flip forward i swear i think i'll probably read this one and skim most of it because the last one was brutally hard to get through but Mm. well i'm thinking about uh something similar um one of the people that i follow on tumblr linda marie anson uh she does excellent tom hiddleston fan art i mean painterly but photorealistic stuff i mean it's really cool if you look up for her on tumblr or deviantart it's there but i follow her on tumblr and she's a huge fan of game of thrones so i've been and she does a lot of wonderful gifts from game of thrones it's starting to make me curious about the tv series most especially because i know the tv series is now going to be going beyond what george r R. martin has already written right and i don't know what that means i don't know if they consult him about what they're going to be doing next or i think they have to yeah but i I mean i think he guides the story right yeah except that there's apparently stuff that he digresses from or or, excuse me there's stuff that they digress from the main novels already so there's stuff that is different in the tv series and i get the idea that now we're seeing a branching and it may get further and further apart the longer the tv series goes but i really don't have a whole lot of room to complain about that because i haven't watched the tv show at all because i haven't been able to watch the characters be put through all that for a second time and i haven't read the most recent uh george rr R. martin novel in the series and that book has been out a while now so right but it's a serious investment in time to get through is and the reason why i thought about that after you were mentioning cj chera cherry is that how it's cherry he's really good at exposition i mean these are some dense novels with many many different families and so many branching plots and yet in each book he manages to summarize things to the point where you can catch up However, I think that's going to get harder and harder the further into series it goes, if I even manage to read any more of that, because he really does put everybody through their paces in these books. Yeah, and and in the show, too, apparently. That's that's the joke, is that... um, uh, George R. R. Martin, Joss Whedon, and Stephen Moffat walk into a bar and everyone you ever love dies. <laughs> <laughs> it's not wrong. This is <laughs> very true. No. <laughs> but speaking of other books that have come out that I'm trying to get caught up with, Max Gladstone's latest book in the craft sequence Ooh. came out. I'm just... Uh, now, you want to talk about a guy who knows how to build a world but keep the exposition really, really light? Because every book, this is the fourth book in the series, and every book takes place in this world, but it's all kind of self-contained. Like, you have some characters who are about the same um, that kind of travel from book to book, but most of the time it's their own little story, and it's just, it's so brilliant and weird and fun, and it's all about a world where people kind of pay for things with little pieces of your soul, you know? It's really, really interesting. <laughs> well, what was the name of the last book that came out? 
Well, let's see. It's, um, oh, wow, weird. It is, this is actually the fifth book in the series. We've already had four. So the last one that came out was Last First Snow. Last First Snow. I will tell you, I'm working on a new dragon staff, which I'm hoping to finish carving by the time of the North Carolina um, State Fair craft competition. And I am carving a Quetzalcoatl figure. And it is Ooh, because nice. of that book, because yeah. that is the main, uh, what do you call it? Uh, law enforcement. Yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. ride the the feathered dragons. That is what they ride into battle. And that, just, that image is so idea. wonderful. And just reading that, I'm like, oh, that's what I can make this next staff out of. So this one's going to be awesome because we're finally going to get to go. I mean, every book has really kind of had their own characters, but I wouldn't mind seeing some of the characters that I remember from earlier books. And this one is Four Roads Cross, and it's got the, I believe, the main witch from the first book, Three Parts Dead, but it also has the sort of law enforcement agent who is a woman who can turn into a gargoyle, and the pirate captain that she met in the first book, who also happens to be a vampire, which is just <laughs> a so pirate awesome. vampire. Now, I, so you would awesome. have to ask the question, what could be more cool than a pirate ninja? And I will tell you, it is a pirate vampire. Yep, that is absolutely it. And he's like, like apparently he goes out into the sun just a little bit. He's got like this tan, but it's it's done so he's sort of burnt his skin a bit. So he can occasionally go on into sunlight. He doesn't like it much. It's not very healthy for him. I just, I just love that idea. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I'm all... And honestly... When I read Three Parts Dead, I was doing that project where it was 10 books, a thousand pages, where I was reading the first hundred pages of 10 books to do a quick review and say whether or not it was going to finish. And the pirate vampire showed up in the first hundred pages of that first book. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I have to read this one. It's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, actually writing the review for the Neil Gaiman graphic novel that came out in June, How to Talk to Girls at Parties. And it's a yeah. graphic novel adaptation of a Neil Gaiman short story that I love and it's done the artwork is done by uh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Bach who are mm -hmm. you, everyone listening to this has probably already heard of them because they've done some wonderful graphic novels one of my favorite being one that no one has heard of but you <laughs> yes exactly and that is Smoke and Guns Smoke I believe and, it's called I, I think Smoke it's and Guns yeah and it's about sort of like this I don't know, almost like a post-apocalyptic world where you have cigarette girls who are selling cigarettes on the street, but they all have their own districts. And if they get into each other's districts, they literally get into gunfights about it, like people killing each other right and left. It's a turf war between cigarette girls. And it is. It's there is nothing about this that if someone described it to me would usually appeal to me. It's like big busted girls and guns and cigarettes. And I love it. It's It's great. amazing. And honestly... Probably the majority of it is the art because it's all in black and white, but it's this great style with like, you can just, you can see like, she like pulls this spray of bullets across the room and you can see the sweep of her arm as she's doing it, you know, people jumping over cars and whatever. The motion is so apparent in this book. But uh, when I found out that he was doing the Neil Gaiman story, I was like, yes, all of that. That's awesome. Yes, that's just, and it's great. It's worth it. I mean, I was looking for something to read at Barnes & Noble to see if maybe I wanted to review something and I saw that. I'm like, great, I'll take a look at that while I have my coffee. And it's wrapped in plastic. I'm like, eh, I'll go ahead and buy it now then. <laughs> 
nice, you know, when you're just like, yes, I will spend the money on it. Because we are frugal. So if we can avoid spending money, we usually will. But certain things, man, you know, like the China Medieval book that just came out, bought it. The new uh, craft sequence book, bought it. I'm not getting this stuff from the library. The new CJ Cherry book, getting it from the library. Yeah. I'll tell you that one. Yeah. yeah I'm not spending money on that one. Sorry. Yeah, the latest uh, Chuck Planyuk uh, book, the uh, collection of short stories, I got that from the library. And uh, yeah. talk with a friend of mine about uh, Chuck Planyuk, and apparently he's working through some things in his books, and especially in okay. the um, Fight Club 2, the comic book series. I think my friend said that it was good, but it's really obvious that Planix working through something. So he's, ah. he's, my friend's a huge Fight Club fan, so I imagine in a lot of cases it's nothing's going to match up to that. But he did say it was one of those, uh, it was okay. Oh, that's a shame. Well, things that are not just okay, though... Civil War Two, the main wow. Civil War Two book. Oh yeah. my God! Holy cow! I mean, it's Bendis writing it, so it's just it's awesome and quirky and funny and serious and gets your heart going and everything. But the art, the art, you guys! Oh my God! David Marquez's art. Holy crap! It's just every expression, every face. Yeah. It's perfect. I just, I look at this, I'm going, I cannot think of a way that he could have improved any frame of that. No, not a one. I mean, and he does such like Captain Marvel, you know, um, what's her name? Um, Carol Danvers. Uh, I think she's a perfectly cool character and everything, but she's just never really been one of my favorites or anybody that I was really all that interested in. I was glad when they, you know, took her out of the dominatrix outfit and put her in a flight suit, you know? I I thought that was kind of fun, and she seems to be a neat character, but I didn't really get interested in her until this one, because it's a really nuanced position that she's taken. I mean, you've got a kid who can see the future, and she wants to use that to save people's lives. But then Tony Stark is like, how do we know? I mean, we're arresting people before they have a chance to actually do anything wrong. How do we know what this kid sees is actually going to happen? You know. And, and what it's... I'm wondering is, okay, this kid sees the future. Is he seeing himself seeing the future? Is yeah. everything that he's seeing everyone acting on what he's told them he sees. I mean, that's really circular right there. You know, the whole idea about telling the future, are you seeing the future or are you seeing people acting on what you've seen from the future? It's really hard to tell. And, but the thing is with Carol, she's not wrong. I mean, she says, okay, if there's a 10% chance that someone is going to shoot someone else in the head, do I stop them or do I sit back and say, well, hang on, I don't know for sure. Let me wait until he starts shooting before I stop right. him. I mean, how do you know? <laughs> what? How do you know what's the choice there? And then you've got Tony is just like, okay, what if it's a, what if it's a 10% chance? What if it's a 9% chance? What if it's only a 2% chance? And Carol's just kind of sick of it. And she's like, if there's a chance it's going to happen, I would like to take the opportunity to stop it. And then Tony is just, I, I really, I like what you said, how, you know, this could have been a cash grab because we've already seen Civil War one and everybody going against each other for really good reasons and now we have everybody going against each other but it's for a completely different reason and it totally makes sense and it's a really it gets to kind of be like um 
like Looper, when Bruce Willis's character was just like, you know, we're not going to get into this because if we start talking about time travel and paradoxes, we're going to end up in this restaurant all afternoon making doodles on napkins, you know? So it just really, it depends on what you think knowing the future means, you know, just like you said, is it, is it actually the future? Is it your perception of the future? Does changing something actually change the future? Or is that the way it was always going to be? It's fun. And there's also, there was a short story that I read ages ago where someone was talking about what it does to you, what you will then be guilty of. Like if you could go into the past and kill Hitler as a child, that would make you a child murderer because you had murdered someone who had never done anything wrong. Because if right. until they had a chance to do something wrong, they weren't guilty of anything that they could be killed for. So uh, yeah, it's this whole wibbly wobbly timey wimey thing. And it's great. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. And then in the most recent episode, I mean, Tony was pretty sure he had Carol dead to rights and completely outnumbered, except for the fact that Carol has the Guardians of the Galaxy on her side, including Angela. Um, uh, Asgard Assassin was in that group picture, I saw too. That. So. Yep. No. <laughs> Awesome. Very yeah, you know, awesome. I don't think you really want to have uh, Angela against you because she's pretty no. kick-ass. No, but I, I see Angela being on Carol's side, though. Angela's very black and white, you know? She's like, well, there's a chance this person could hurt someone, so we'll stop them from hurting someone, you and know? She doesn't really care about the effect to you or what you would be guilty no. of. No, no. Honestly, I think she thinks that if there's even a potential that you might be a person who would kill lots of people, it doesn't matter if you ever did it or not. The potential was there, so best to be safe. Let's just go ahead and take that out of the equation. In a way, that kind of reminds me of uh, Thessaly from the Sandman stories. The yeah, uh, the, wi- the witch. I mean, she yeah, was definitely yeah. the person. If someone tries to kill you, you kill them. And it's like, you know, I think she did that to somebody. And she said that teaches a lesson to somebody. You're like, wait a minute, but they're dead. They couldn't learn anything. She's like, yeah, you only get one chance. Yeah. Oh, man. Did they ever return to her very much in the Dreaming series? I mean, we had the Thessaliad, I guess. She had, and two, I never... she had two uh, Thessaliad, and there was one where that uh, Fetch character came back and manipulated her into helping him kill, you know, random people that he'd signed up for to uh, to assassinate. Did you ever read that one? No, I never did. It, I was, check it wasn't something. as good as the first one, but it was pretty good. And yeah, and they sort of left it on a cliffhanger, and I'm not sure they ever came back to it after that. Oh, all right, all right. Well, you know, I'd say that I need to read it, but uh, I have enough stuff that I really need to read and get caught up on. Me too. Including Transformers regular series 56, I think, comes out this week. I don't know. I just finished reading uh, recently the last of the next Wreckers series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, Sins of the Wreckers. Yeah, Sins of the Wreckers. I didn't understand a damn thing that was going on. Not a thing. And you read the original Wreckers story, right? The last stand of the Wreckers? I still don't get it. I still don't understand what the hell was happening. It's all having to do with plots. And of course, it's Prowl's fault, like everything is. But it was just really convoluted and the first one was really convoluted too and so this one was even more so so if you know anyone has anything that could help shed a light on that please leave a comment for us because i think i need help with this one yeah it's you want to talk about like we're we're not going to complain about it as much as we complained last week (laughs) last week really was (laughs) quite the bitch session we did yeah it was fun (laughs) i liked it but I don't know. I mean, I love the More Than Meets the Eye series, and I actually like how complicated it is. I like how there's so much history and story, but 
I certainly don't want it to fall under the weight of its own importance. I no. don't want the whole series to go over, especially the lowest common denominator being what it is. If a lot of people don't understand it, uh, it's probably not good for sales. But at the same time, I don't want them to dumb it down. I just... Sometimes I just really don't know what's going on. However, I haven't been reading the regular Transformers series, and I'm trying to be better about that because uh, I want to support them and give them all my money. Yes, well, I need just to go peruse the TF Wiki site a little bit more because they got the answers. You know, Sometimes yeah. it's a lot of names to keep track of, but they do have answers. Yeah, that's fine. But speaking of Transformers, just one last thing. I finally did open up and transform the it's Soundwave evolution from Hasbro they had contacted me and they're like would you like to review any of the toys for us we can send you review copies I'm like oh my god yes please so they sent me the new Soundwave and I got him out of the box last night boy he was complicated like you open him up and he's a tablet and the front of it just looks like a big puzzle piece and then you flip it over the other side and it's so complicated but he wasn't as hard to transform as I thought he was and he looks very nice cool so is that's what his transformation is uh, not a, uh, a tape player but he's a tablet now he's a tablet he's a tablet <laughs> which makes sense he uses a modern audio communication device I'm like that's cool he doesn't look like the traditional sound wave which I expect to disappoint me but he's growing on me I think he looks pretty cool and that's for being cool. as flat as he is I was reading another review and with the way you transform and sort of build him out he ends up looking pretty beefy you know for being like a little flat thin thing it's not bad they did a good job sort of unfolding him like that and the tablet thing does make sense because rewind the character used to be a tape he was one of blasters tapes but in yes. more than meets the eye he's a memory stick so yes. that means all of Soundwave's tapes could be memory sticks yeah exactly well you know what i actually have a ravage memory stick it's oh, a little flash awesome. drive it can actually it's funny it's actually the second one i've had so uh, I was given Ravage as a present at one point. It was, you know, it was a memory stick. And I'm like, oh, it's awesome. And I started to transform him and his leg totally snaps off. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh no. Apparently there's two different versions of the Ravage out there. There's the regular one and there's kind of a cheap knockoff one from someplace. And I'm not saying that I had the cheap knockoff one. I am saying that the first time I tried to transform him, the leg snapped off. So I threw him away and I bought another one. So yeah, <laughs> this one did not break. I was more careful with him though. So I I don't know, but um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that was how I uh, my heart was won over by Rumble back in the 1980s when I got him for Christmas and I transformed him and his leg popped off and I felt so bad and then I realized <laughs> that I could put his leg back in again and he was fine, but it was too late by that point. By that point, you you had a, if anybody's familiar with fan fiction, it's called Hurt Comfort yes, Fix. So, that was yes, exactly it. He had a little bed with a tissue paper mattress and everything. <laughs> because we are a couple of girls here we really are are. (laughs) but yeah so that was uh that's our 50th episode it was random it's okay so that's to no one's surprise whatsoever yeah the symbol for this episode is a handful of confetti because it's about that random So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for this and other podcasts on the site. And uh, we got some pictures. We were at NerdCon in Escondido, twice as big this year as last year. It's Lots still a of very... good cosplay pictures you guys got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, there was some, I mean, just some amazing talent that goes through there. And they had lots of panels and lots of vendors. And, you know, it's, it took up a much bigger space this time. Um, it's still a homegrown festival, though, so not nearly as crazy as Comic-Con. So um, uh, next year, I'll probably be even better. So check out for the photo gallery for that. Uh, Catherine always has her book reviews. We both do comic book reviews. Jada has just put up 
a sum up of the Sherlock panel from San Diego Comic-Con with lots and lots of speculation. She actually said that she cut some stuff out and she may do a second post because she's like, yeah, I had a lot of speculation. It was getting a little long. So, um, And then Andrew's been doing a weekly series on the DC Rebirth books because he's actually, I think he may be the only one on the site currently reading them. So power to him, but he seems to enjoy them. But he always was a DC boy. So if you're a DC person, go check those out too. But yeah, I had said that this week we, you know, we have another Welcome Night Vale episode. We don't have another Night Vale episode for like almost a week. I think. And I'll actually be in Florida the next time we would normally record. So it might be even longer before we can record a recap of Welcome yeah. to Night Vale. Yeah, yeah. So either we'll work out some kind of on the road recording situation for when Catherine and Nathan are in Florida, uh, or we will see everybody uh, the week after that. So we will see you guys either in one week or two weeks, because we're specific. <laughs> Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>